Welcome to Prone to Wonder, a podcast where no questions are off limits. Join us, Amber Humphreys, Becca Robinson, and Vanessa Fernandez each week as three best friends, women, and ex-ministry junkies navigate conversations about deconstruction, reconstruction, growth, and wondering aloud about all the things we weren't supposed to wonder. Each of us having different perspectives, these conversations aren't about having all the answers, but about giving yourself permission to ask questions and forge your own path. We're so glad you've joined us. All right, so last week we released our podcast about our episode about the Enneagram and the reconstruction and how the Enneagram can help you heal with our very own incredibly wise and sexy Vanessa Fernandez. <laughs> um, we hope that it helped you guys um, to navigate how different this experience can be for different types of people, really. Um, I had kind of touched on how different it's been for my husband and I, because he's a five. So he has processed this all very differently than I have as a seven. Um, And so, yeah, that was, we hope that it helped you at least not feel alone (laughs) because, you know, this whole thing can make you feel crazy, honestly. Um, Sometimes we actually got a message. um, They didn't leave their name, but they said, I love all of your episodes, but just wanted to share that I agree with Becca in that learning about the Enneagram helped me feel less crazy and understand my reactions to situations and people a lot better. Also, Vanessa is a wonderful Enneagram coach. She has helped me with so many breakthroughs. We didn't have to include that last part, but I wanted to because I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, honestly, Vanessa helped me a lot too (laughs) because you know, one of the things I'm not typically great with is like the gray area and not having answers. And I think that's partially my Enneagram and partially my mental disorders, but I don't like things not feeling settled and, you know, me not feeling like I have it figured out was, was really hard. And so Vanessa kind of walking me through that was fairly priceless. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love that, um, that feeling that you're not crazy, I think is something that a lot of times when we're going through deconstruction, we're like, can someone just tell me that I'm not crazy for what I'm feeling, for what I'm thinking, for my experience. And I can relate to that desire so much. And I think a lot of being within very Um, regimented religious structures makes you feel like, okay, listen, there's one way to be here. People fruits of the spirit, always, you know, being kind and patient and all of those things, which all those things are wonderful, but to have a variety of experiences and that being okay, can be so liberating just in and of itself to be like, oh, like, I don't have to be, I know in my church, for example, we had very, very strict gender roles, right? And so every woman almost had to be like what you would think a type two, like Susie Homemaker and nurturing and gracious and hosting and baking casseroles and just all of that. And every man had to be, you know, kind of this really strong leader and always taking charge and always chivalrous and like, but this in this very kind of 
I don't know, um, way that not everybody fits in to those two binaries. Not everybody yes. fits if, in. If baking is required, I'm screwed. <laughs> it's so interesting. You, you mentioned, um, you know, with feeling crazy and the different types, I always kind of, whenever I feel off, I just always attribute it to like, oh, well, it's because I am a disaster. And it's because I'm so emotional and I'm a mess and everybody else is fairly stable. And it's just me. I can't handle anything. Um, but I was reading uh, Faith After Doubt by Brian McLaren. And he mentioned, I think I told you guys this on Marco, um, but he was talking about how religion and when you're sort of deconstructing this framework that you've grown up with, it's your roadmap. You know, it's religion is a roadmap and, and it's how you navigate life. And when that gets upset and your roadmap kind of runs out that's what can be so disorienting and he said that it happens that um I can't remember who all he said but that there are several like very important scientists who have described that feeling when they make scientific discoveries or figure out things weren't the way they thought they were just scientifically um like Albert Einstein and like I mean some of those like really big people when they have found that something was different than the way things always were for them scientifically that they said it felt like a death or felt like the floor was pulled out from under them. And I just, that blew my mind. Cause I had never thought it just all feels like, Oh, well, it's just cause this is the way I was brought up with this, or this is, you know, that this is my personality. But the fact that it's anybody with any framework for life, I feel like it could even be like somebody who grew up in a terrible situation and that's their framework. And then when they realize that things could be different, you know, that's probably pretty disorienting, but that everybody, it's not just if you're deconstructing your religion, it's any sort of thought process or roadmap that you have for the way things are and the way you live your life and the way that you make decisions can feel super upsetting and disorienting because that's your world roadmap and your life roadmap. And so when you lose that, everything changes. So no, you're not crazy because I feel like if there's going to be some stable, like smart people, it's going to be scientists, you know, but the fact that they also dealt with things like that and these kind of feelings that weren't even related to religion were, it was just so good. I was like screaming at Jared about it. I was like, listen to what I learned because it was just so interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. In one of these, um, I'm in a couple of Enneagram certification programs right now. And one of the programs starts off with a whole module on how, what we think we know is heavily influenced by our own desire for confirmation bias and how much we try to make the world fit into what we've already sort of decided are these pillars of how the world is. And so we, we just pull in all of this stimulus of, okay, I can see this and I can experience that. And this person said this, we pull it all in and then we try to fit it into the structures that we've already created. Well, this is how the world works. So the reason they said that must be because of this. And we, and we just pull everything in and try to organize it according to that. And um, it was really jarring. Some of the examples that they gave because it was like, oh my gosh. So they've done studies that even our memories are so wildly not true. <laughs> and mm -hmm. 
and two people can remember the same thing absolutely differently and if you go back and look at the tape both of their memories were actually not even accurate and just how disorienting in one sense that that can be when we start to realize how much we interpret the world through our own biases and our own need for things to be a certain way because that's what feels safe to us um, and the reason that they started off the certification that way is they were like listen none of us is seeing objectively here we're all seeing from our own perspective and that's kind of okay right like we can't we can't like say well can i just opt out of that and just see things objectively like no none of us but what we can do is become aware that we have those biases and then become curious as to how other people experience as to why i need this to be true and so on and so forth so that was kind of like at first everyone in the certification was just like what do you mean nothing is true nothing is real what i like <laughs> we're all just like ah and then they were like no like it's okay we're all having the same experience we just need to be more curious and open to other people's perspectives rather than like no the way i see it is the right way and this is how it happened and um i i just think that has so many applications to religion even of like what is the what is wrong with saying we're all having this human experience from different perspectives and maybe there isn't anyone who can truly say i know 100 percent for sure what is right how like how <laughs> how do we how can anyone stand on that i don't know anyways i don't know but they when should try <laughs> yeah you talked about that in the episode about how we need each other to give the perspective of like the other side of the of the sphere like everybody's standing on these nine points looking towards something for me i think that enneagram is almost like a much more robust love language kind of perspective to where when you know yours and you know other people's it helps you bridge that distance between you and them across the coin or the sphere because now you can speak their dialect and so you can kind of speak to their perspective and that I think is one of the ways that it can make you feel less crazy because now you can communicate you can speak the language and they can speak the language to you and things aren't getting lost in translation which i think is one of the one of the things that can make this feel crazy is we're saying something someone else is saying something else we're really kind of both saying the same things but we're not able to hear it and so that's been really helpful for me it's been so helpful for me too knowing um that my how i respond in stress or in health, mm -hmm. um, that's been so helpful for me because I've always known um, I get super perfection-y, you know, cause I go to one and stress. Yes, and so, cause um, you and my husband are the same. <laughs> <laughs> and I always thought, I'm like, do I have like, cause you know, I'd always wondered like when I was younger, even like, and I wanted to clean my room and I wanted everything in perfect, like, you know, little th with matching labels and I needed to go to Walmart at 2 a.m. because I have to, you know, and I, I was like, Do I, is this OCD? Like what, like what? And realizing that it's just a high stress level and that's naturally what I go to is I'm like, oh, I'm getting nitpicky because I'm in stress. So just like that red flag or knowing that I go to five and help, right, Vanessa? <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> knowing double that, <laughs> double check before I say it out loud, like it's back. Um, so I slow down and like research things and I'm not as impulsive, which 
is just my husband on a Tuesday. Um, just it's so <laughs> helpful. It's look at it's, look at it. Well, oh. it's also that minimal. So I always laugh because almost every <laughs> seven that I know wants to be a minimalist so badly. Listen, they are listen. like fascinated. <laughs> They're fascinated by this minimalistic, which is such a five thing. They're just like, oh, I just want to have like five shirts and two pairs of pants. And then the next <laughs> thing you know, the next thing you know, they're like, here's my cart. I just filled with a bunch of crap that I don't need. <laughs> Amber, for those <laughs> listeners who can't see, is hysterically <laughs> rolling in laughter on her sofa and flipping Vanessa the bird. <laughs> <laughs> because I just hate it because you just oh my god it's so it's true I hate it. doesn't it just make you feel like nothing you do is unique to you I, hate so it. I, have, I feel that way on TikTok every like you know everything they say or everything I find out I was like I have never had one unique thought ever because <laughs> somebody else I my face I am not only it's externally screaming but it's it just makes oh me God. laugh so much because it's not just you. Like my sister's a seven. One of my other friends is a seven. My dad is a seven. Like, and I just, and every time that one of you guys will say, you know, I feel like I'm just going to be a minimalist. I'm just going to purge <laughs> inside. Like my face, well, I don't have much of a poker face. So maybe my face is not as calm as I think it is, but my face is one thing. And inside <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I think uh, that's so funny. Is well, there I think a that's way one of the... I can stop buying stuff though and become a minimalist because I feel like life would be so easy if I were a minimalist. No, because wouldn't that mean you were just living in your stress number? Oh, <laughs> to maybe. be like minimalist and it was super organized. <laughs> I don't know. Would it or would it be removing stress because I wouldn't have to think about it? Because it would just be. I think. I think that knowing your closest circles numbers like this is so helpful too. So Amber's a seven, my husband is a seven. And that one piece of knowledge that she said of knowing that in stress, she gets nitpicky and wants to be hyper-organized was like worth more than months of couples counseling that my husband and I took together because he will go from being the most chill, like down for anything, let's have an adventure person to being the most nitpicky, naggy roommate. Like, why is there hair in the shower? Why is there a scrunchie on the door? Why did you forget to move on? All these different things. And it drives me so crazy. And I would get so frustrated. We would get into these huge fights because then I'm like, well, now I don't want to do it. Like out of spite, I don't want to clean or I don't want to, like, I would have cleaned, but now I'm not going to. So I just get like spiteful about it, but like, no one wants to be nagged or, or told they're doing something wrong. So it's frustrating. So we get in these huge arguments where I was like, are you just trying to make yourself feel better by putting me down all the time about like all these little things I forgot. And when we figured out, it was just that he was stressed out and that that's what he does as a seven, he moves towards these unhealthy tendencies of a one of like perfectionism and like micromanaging. Uh, not that it stops because it doesn't stop, but now I can run it through that filter, which is like what I was saying about like love language, it's like, okay, I know that he's just stressed out. So instead of me getting so upset and offended and just adding to the stress, I can, you know, I have choices to proactively be a little bit more careful about the things in the house, or I can 
be like, Hey babe, what are you stressed out about? Like, is there anything we can do to, to help that? Because sometimes it's completely unrelated to our house and our life and the cleanliness or orderliness of things. Sometimes it's something completely in another realm and we can fix that. And then this just dissipates like poof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, that's one of the beauties is that you can actually see people for who they are, not just for how they're affecting you. Um, so like, if I don't know somebody's Enneagram type, I can just think, oh my gosh, why are they being such a blank, 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 right? It's, it's affecting me in this way. And I'm irritated as opposed to saying, oh, I see them. I see that this heightened need to have everything in its place means that there's something stressing them. And so now I could see them for who they are and come in and be like, Hey, you doing okay. As opposed to like, why are you being so nitpicky? Right? Like you see, you see beneath the external reaction and you're like, oh, okay, that reaction means that you're feeling stressed or that reaction means that you're not doing okay. And then you can kind of like settle into that. Um, I got this one response from someone uh, to the podcast that was saying that they think that the church is especially hard for twos, sixes, and nines to get out of their patterns because their patterns are kind of like praised in the church. And so just to review, like twos are like those helpers that sign up for every event, that bring the cookies to the bake sale, that do all of that kind of stuff. And I can definitely see how twos are really praised in the church and never um, actually seen because when twos are always helping, it's because they feel like if they don't help, they're not loved. Right. And so that message can kind of be reaffirmed within the church that like your value here is in how well you serve and how much you do and how, you know, much you contribute. Um, Taken advantage of for sure. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. All the volunteer work, all the volunteer hours. And it's, you Mm -hmm. know, it's to help save the world. Right. So there's this like savior complex that twos can sometimes have that can really feed into it. Um, and I think nines also, you know, nines are just the ones who are like, go along to get along. Yeah, no, no problem. That doesn't bother me at all. No, I'm fine to totally switch all of my plans for something else that you just decided randomly you wanted. Like (laughs) just that totally, um, never get angry and always just be accommodating and have no actual opinions or desires of your own. And I, I agree. I can see that too. We're in the church. Like that's just praised like, Oh, she's so, um, what is it? We don't want to be easily offended, right? Like that would be a big thing that we would say in our church. Like, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm just being so easily offended. And I really need to work on that. And nines are like never easily. They're just, they're not easily offended at all. Um, and I could see how that could really be like affirmed in the church that like, and praised even of like, Oh, she's such a, she's such a godly woman. She's never offended at anything. When in reality, nines are never, are actually are offended. They just never want to show it because they don't feel like their anger is welcome. Like they don't feel like they could ever have an opinion or assert themselves without getting cut off. And I think the church definitely like (laughs) affirms that message. Like, yeah, Anger is not welcome here. 
the anger of man never does the will of God was a, a verse that was often quoted in my home. Like, no, anger doesn't get to be here. And um, anyways, I, I just thought that was interesting that this person who- What would sixes God, be? Sixes are like the community builders. So they are there for everyone, supporting everyone, but not in the way that a two would. For sixes, it's more about, I feel safe when I'm a part of a larger community. And they're super loyal, right? So loyal and they love tradition and they love the security. I was going to say, they probably like uphold the orthodoxy of all of it. Yes. Yes. They love rules and the established thoughts and like having a weekly meeting that we always Mm -hmm. do the same thing and have like that community together, which again, that's not a bad thing at all. Um, but sixes can almost have like this, they kind of surrender their own independent thought in favor of group thought, because that feels safer. It, it doesn't feel safe to like challenge the authority or <laughs> shake up the status quo. Um, so I think they can also, it's not healthy though, for a six to say, oh, let me just merge with the group because that feels safer. Right. And so anyways, I think every type can have their unhealthy parts affirmed within the church in different ways, but those three, I can see where they can really kind of just float into a church and think that they're really healthy when actually that manifestation shows that they're not healthy, right? Like it's not healthy for a nine to never be angry. It's not healthy for a two to do all the serving for everyone. It's not healthy for a six to not have their own independent thoughts and just go along with the group, but they're going to be told they are very healthy. I think in a lot of church environments, Mm -hmm. that really opens you up to unsafe situations pretty quickly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we could have, I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. No, we definitely could. I was going to say, I think for those three numbers, the key to that transition is to realize, like you said, that it's unhealthy to be so dramatically in that area, but also to look for other places where you could shift that energy in a more positive way, like maybe a philanthropic organization or maybe like a community kind of thing, at least in the interim, I think to help you like navigate out, it's kind of like this energy for those numbers, it's like the energy has to go somewhere. Like twos really enjoy helping. So like, can we help somewhere else? And then kind of slowly transition out of it being like a crutch and more of an overflow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, so the healthy, a healthy action for twos is to set up good boundaries and say no sometimes in favor of your own self-care. And you're never going to hear that in a church. A church is never going to say, set up healthy boundaries and take care of yourself. Well, I mean, maybe churches now, but when I was growing up in the church, it was like your life's purpose is to give of yourself fully to the service of others. Right. And so a two is just going to eat that up and they're never going to hear like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't sign up for everything and go take care of yourself. But that's what a two needs to hear. But of course, if you're a type two and you're deconstructing, you're going to have to battle a lot of internal resistance to actually taking care of yourself and saying no, even if you know that somebody is sick and they need a casserole to be like, you know what? I don't have time to make a casserole. Maybe I just don't make it. (laughs) 
that's a possibility. Um, and sixes are always going to feel like I can't make my own decisions. I can't take control of my own life. I need someone to tell me what to do. I need a group decision to be made. And then I just follow that. And so that's going to, and, and a church is never going to tell you like, yeah, trust yourself, trust your own judgment. Even if it's going against what the mainstream is saying, a six is never going to hear mm -hmm. that message, but that's the exact message they need to hear to find health and balance. And then a nine, of course, is never going to hear in the church, like, Hey, be angry, yell at me or yell at someone and get it out and be real and be true. They're never going to hear that in the church ever. They're going to hear if they ever do get angry, they're going to hear like, Hey, maybe you should come back when you're calm, when you're a little more calm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Hey, maybe you should go pray about that and take it to God. And we don't want to hear it. We don't want to hear your anger. We don't want to hear your whatever. And so it's the very healing message that they need to hear. You're not going to hear it in the church. So it's really important to do either your own inner work or find an environment where people will affirm that healing message for you. I think that's one of the big frustrations of the modern Western church in general, at least Protestant. Um, it really is, it, the experience of it can be a place that advertises that it's ready to hold that space. But the actuality of it is that if you are not coming with kind of a picture perfect bubble, then there is really no space. There's no space for your anger. There's not really space for your hurt or for your mess. There's not space for you to make a mistake and fix it in a healthy way. There's not space for you to doubt or question. It's kind of like the advertising of it and the reality of it seem to be in conflict. And so I think that can be like where one of the disconnects is for a lot of people, you know, you come in thinking it's going to be this one way and then it's really yeah. not actually that way. Or it's like, you can come just as you are with all your hurts, but if you don't very quickly um, give your hurts to God and then Jesus is just the answer, then there's a problem. So like you can come as messed up as you want, but you need to come to this solution real quick. Um, you know, on Schitt's Creek, when there's when um, Moira and uh, David are trying to like make the enchiladas and it's like fold in the cheese. I, like, yeah. How do you fold in the cheese? And there was this meme on TikTok where it was like, just give it to God. And he's like, how do you give it to God? No, no, you just you just give your anxiety to God. And he's like, I know that, but what does that mean? Like how do you, you wrap it up in a package and drop it off at a doorstep of a church. Like, how do you give it to God? And it was just like, it just made me laugh because there are actual things we can do to heal and just give it to God. There's nothing. And I'm not, I want to be careful that I'm not trying to like downplay the role that like faith and love and those kinds of things can have in our healing. I think there's a place for that. But when people are just like, Oh, it's just a sin issue. Just, just let the Holy spirit take it away or let God ha handle it or cast your cares. It's just like, okay, but what does that actually mean? There like, <laughs> I don't know. It just, and nobody actually thinks or questions that at least in my church, nobody would question it. And, and now I sit back and I look and I'm like, 
what the fuck were we even talking about? <laughs> like, what, what did that mean? What were we each thinking when we were like, yeah, I just, I'm just going to give it to God and let him take care of it. It's like, how, <laughs> how do I fold in the cheese? <laughs> <laughs> I think that usually yeah. meant just like, stop worrying about it or don't it's like, it. I'm not actually going to process this or yeah, do the work it. to heal it. I'm just going to not yeah. think about it or talk about it anymore. Just avoid, just avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where Enneagram can come in. <laughs> can help you stop avoiding and start to work through those things. Actually, I wanted to say, I really feel like, um, like that Enneagram can be a, a, a fantastic baby step for someone who is maybe intimidated by full fledged psychotherapy, like finding a therapist, doing all the stuff because of all of the different methodologies of like personality and wholeness. I think it's the most similar since it is looking at trauma that happened in your childhood. And so much of therapy is looking at trauma that happened in your childhood that your body's holding onto, that your brain is holding onto. And it's running these scripts that affect the way you react to things now before you even realize it, which is really what the Enneagram is all about as well. It's like, Hey, something happened to you when you were small that made you react this way. And now it's just this personality program that's happening. So like, how can we help you break out of that? Which is so similar to healing childhood trauma and therapy. So if you're listening and you're kind of on this journey and like, that's really scary to swing that pendulum that far, it can be great baby step. Or if you don't feel like you have something really traumatic and big that you need there before, but you just want to like be working on yourself as a human, it can be the perfect bridge for that too. Yeah. And I'll just end with this. Cause I did want to mention this. Um, one of the certifications that I'm in, they start with this. This is how your Enneagram type can help you remember what's right about you not what's wrong about you, but what's right about you, how your type was developed as an intelligent strategy to help you survive this life and how that has served you. And of course we end up at a place where we're like, well, maybe it's not serving me anymore and I wanna evolve past it, but they always start with, this is what's right about you. And I just think that's so refreshing. And I really try to do that with my clients as well to see what's right about them. And that's such a departure from a lot of religion that says, here's what's wrong with you. And here's Mm -hmm. why you need saving. And here's why you need fixing. And here's why all of that. Um, So anyways, I hope that those who are listening, if you do dive into the Enneagram, that you also allow yourself to see what's right about you and what's beautiful and good about you. I love that. And if you have questions um, on future episodes and want to be featured like our listeners this week, just send us a voice message or a text. You'll have all of that information and reach out to us because we'd love to keep the conversation going. And make sure you follow the guided expansion for deconstruction. (laughs) Enneagram coaching. We're launching soon. And I can't wait. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We would love for you to be a part of the conversation. So connect with us. If you are enjoying the podcast, we would love if you would take just a quick minute to leave us a review wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Those reviews let us know what episodes are resonating the most deeply with you. And they also help our podcast to get in front of the eyes of other people who might be interested in the same topics. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you are not enjoying this, don't leave a review. It's, it's fine. We're good. Thank you so much. And if you never want to miss an episode, all you have to do is text us the word updates to 770-904-9222. And we will send you a text message each time new episodes drop or anytime we have exciting announcements or information. Yeah. And you can also connect with us on Instagram at prone to wonder co. 